Eagles Entertainment. Eagle Eye in the Sky is fueled by Gatorade, the official sports drink of the Philadelphia Eagles. Anything that move, I don't get hold of him. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. Touchdown. You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right, another week, and we're back to our regular season format today as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 352. At the top of today's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with Greg Cosell from NFL Films to discuss all things Eagles and all things Atlanta Falcons as we begin to get you ready for Sunday's week one matchup, the debut of Nick Sirianni here in Philadelphia. We've got a ton to get to, so let's quickly set the table. Uh, First up, just want to quickly remind you guys, go on to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, leave us a rating, leave us a comment. If you've got a question about this Eagles football team going into the matchup, now is the time. Go on, leave us the question in the comment box. We'll answer it right here on the show. And as always, if you like what you're hearing, if you're not already, make sure you go and hit that subscribe button. You can get the show sent to your device each and every week. That easy to make sure you're caught up on everything from an Eagles X's nose standpoint. Uh, as always, too, um, look, make sure you go check in on the Journey to the Draft podcast. Next spring is going to be a huge draft for this Philadelphia Eagles football team. So the best way for you at home to get ready is to go on and subscribe to the Journey to the Draft podcast. We just got done an outstanding week one slate of games uh, in college football. There were some great matchups. We're breaking it all down. Myself, Ben Fennel, Dane Brugler. We're going to have Ross Tucker on later this week. I've always got uh, a great rotation of guests. So make sure you go subscribe to the Journey to the Draft podcast. We will get you caught up on all the top prospects throughout the course of this college football season. That said, uh, I'm excited to, to sink our teeth into this Eagles-Falcons matchup. Let's do that now with Chalk Talk with Greg Cosell. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. All right, well, it's finally here. Excited to welcome in NFL Film Senior Producer Greg Cosell. You can find him over on the Matchup Show. You can find him, uh, obviously, on Twitter, at Greg Cosell. Greg, it's our first preview for the 2021 NFL season, the new-look Philadelphia Eagles team. Uh, How excited are you for regular season action to be back on our televisions very soon? Fran, I probably can't tell you how excited I am. There probably wouldn't be enough words to express that, but uh, I am really looking forward to Thursday night and then, of course, for Sunday and pretty pumped up. Yeah, we, we had our first taste of college football, like a full slate this past weekend. Oh. And so all that did was kind of whet my appetite for like, oh, man, we got a full slate of NFL games coming this weekend. And obviously, for a majority of the people listening to this podcast, All eyes are going to be on this Philadelphia Eagles football team taking on the Atlanta Falcons. Two new coaching staffs on both sides here. So I think that adds a little bit of intrigue to this matchup. And I guess we'll kind of start with this, with with the Eagles offense, Nick Sirianni, Shane Steichen, what we saw here in the summer. Obviously, look, and you would say this on both sides of the football, I've kind of made this comparison. It's like, you know, there, there's vanilla, right? And I'm, I'm a big vanilla ice cream fan. Like, I, there's good vanilla ice cream, and there's, yeah, there's pretty, pretty bland <laughs> vanilla ice cream. We were very much on the bland end of the spectrum from vanilla when you look at the way the Eagles played this summer from a schematic standpoint, and that was done with purpose, right? They don't want to give up any advantage uh, that they have going into this game against Atlanta. So I think looking at this Eagles offense, all we can do is kind of project on what we think and what we've seen over the course of practice in these preseason games and from these players in the past. But uh, what, do, what are your th- what are your where, where is your mind at when you go into this this season here when it comes to that side of the football for the for the Eagles? You know, it, you you were there every day, so you 
have seen a lot more than I have, Fran. So you probably could speak a lot more intelligently than I could. Um, I'm I'm very anxious to see what they do from a personnel standpoint because Zach Gertz is still here by all accounts. And as I said, you were there. He had a really good training camp. Yes. I'm, he's a prideful guy. I'm sure he wants to come back after being injured last year uh, and really have a good season. So this is an offense that I think can line up with multiple personnel packages. And obviously in the preseason, you're not going to see all of that and you're not going to see what they're going to do out of that. I think this is an offense that can line up with 12 personnel. I think this is an offense that can line up in 11 personnel. I think it's an offense that can line up with two backs, but two halfbacks in what most people call a pony package. I think Kenneth Gainwell could fit very, very well in that package with Miles Sanders. Um, and we know that Nick Sirianni coming from the Indianapolis Colts, they did some of that. So he has experience with it. And it's part of what he brings to the table. So I think we're dealing with an offense that from a personnel standpoint and a formation standpoint can be extremely multiple. Yeah, and it's you know a scheme that I've talked about in the past. Yeah, you know, it is predicated on getting their playmakers the football in space, and whether that's the backs, the tight ends, the wide receivers. Nick Sirianni said this summer, uh, not breaking any news. The running backs are going to be very involved as pass catchers in this offense, and so yeah. you know I'm excited for what that means, not just for Miles Sanders, but you know as you mentioned, Kenny Gainwell. You know what kind of role does he play early on as a rookie? He was a player that you and I were both really high on coming out of Memphis this past spring. So I'm excited to see what his role looks like. Boston Scott, we know, uh, can uh, certainly serve a, serve a role in that kind of package as well. So uh, just how they're going to use the backs, I think that's going to be fun. Seeing this receiving core, uh, working with Jalen Hurts on a full-time basis, seeing Devontae Smith, Jalen Rager, there's a, a lot to be excited about with a lot of these young pieces here in this Eagles offense. I tell you, the player I'm perhaps most excited about, and it might surprise some <laughs> given the wide receivers they have, but I just hope that Dallas Goddard can stay healthy because yeah. I think Dallas Goddard, in just in terms of physical talent as a tight end in this league, is a top five, six, seven guy in this league. And we've seen flashes, but for whatever reason, it's it's not he hasn't been able to put it all together due to injury, due to whatever. It's irrelevant. But I think that he's a player I really hope can stay healthy for a 17 game schedule now, because I think that he can really be a high level tight end in this league. You know, I in thinking about offensive football or just in the, in the NFL over the last couple of years, I really feel like the best offenses, you know, and I don't think this isn't like breaking news either, but I, they find different ways to beat you. And when I look at this Eagles offense, it, when you look at the potential with some of these young players, you say, all right, well, they can really get after you in a number of different ways, it, whether they want to go, uh, you know, death by a thousand paper cuts or whether they want to attack vertically. You have guys that, you know, have that vertical element, certainly uh, Devontae Smith, Jalen Rager, but Dallas Goddard would be right there in terms of his ability to be a weapon at all three levels of the field. Um, and then when you look at the run game and, and how multiple they are up front, you know, Jeff Stoutland's still the run game coordinator. So everything that he's going to pull uh, from that side, I, this offense can do a lot of different things. It's going to come down to making sure all these guys are, are a put in that role to do that. And then B that they can follow up and execute. And one of the things I spent a good amount of time this summer talking to some different defensive coaches and, one of the things that I heard, and these are defensive coaches saying this now, is they believe that you're going to see more and more offenses line up in base personnel and spread the formation. Mm. And the Eagles certainly can do that any number of different ways. Because when you line up in base personnel, 
the high, high percentage of the time the defense will line up in base personnel, which means they only have four defensive backs on the field. And then if you can spread out your formation offensively with base, whether it's two tight ends, two backs, two halfbacks, let's say, and particularly you mentioned Gainwell, who's a terrific receiver, and Miles Sanders is a pretty good receiver as well then you can really put a lot of stress and pressure on the defense. And also what it does for a young quarterback like Jalen Hurts, it helps him define what he's looking at before the snap of the ball. And for a young quarterback, the more you can do that, the better you are. Yeah, and I think, you know, the big thing looking at Jalen Hurts, you mentioned obviously the the trigger man in this offense. And only a four-game sample last year, and it was up and down, down the stretch, right? I mean, we, you would expect that from a rookie quarterback. I think what Eagles fans could be excited about, obviously they only saw, what was it, 10 snaps from him all preseason. But seeing him in practice every single day uh, over the course of the summer, I thought that what you saw from Jalen Hurts in practices one through seven was much different than the guy that we saw in practices eight through 15. I thought we saw him make strides uh, over the course of camp, which – Again, that is a good sign. It doesn't mean that he's going to be, uh, you know, that we're going to get the, the bust ready and get the gold jacket ready. No, <laughs> what that means is a good sign of his development. So I well, one, fi one final point about that is I I'm very curious, too, to see the designed run game elements for the quarterback. Yeah, but sure. they, they will exist. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm very curious to see what they do, how much they do it, when they do it. Because, as I said, we know because that's a strength of Jalen Hurts' game at this point in his career. So I'm very curious to see how that's deployed. Yeah, we're, we're coming off of, you know, last week, every, every team in the NFL getting down to that initial 53-man roster. And one of the big sayings that's thrown around during that time, during the roster cutdown is, oh, the more you can do, the more you can do. And that's kind of how I, I guess going back to what I said earlier, that's how I think of offensive football, defensive football, even players coming out of the draft. It's like, all right, the more you can do, the more options you give your coach, the more options uh, a coach has from a schematic standpoint, all that can do is help a team's chance of winning on Sunday. Yeah. So so it should be, let's put it this way. Like you said, we're not going to sit here and say there's going to be the best offense in the NFL. We have yep. no idea. But I think it's going to be an intriguing offense to watch develop. And I think there'll be some ups and downs. And I think fans have to accept that, not every picture that's painted early on is necessarily going to be a Picasso, right. but it'll be very interesting to see this develop. Yep, no question. And just all the versatility of it is yep. what makes me most excited uh, coming into this season. Now, going into kind of like bringing this into focus for Sunday and what this means against the Atlanta Falcons, they also have a new scheme coming in with Dean Pease uh, coming in as the defensive coordinator. This is a guy that, that has been around as a, as a defensive coach in the NFL and at the college level for a long, long time. He's worked with some great coaches. He's had some great defenses. Uh, I guess give us the elevator speech on what you can expect from Dean Pease here down in Atlanta. Well, Dean Pease has been in this league for a long time, coached in college, coached in the NFL. And there are certain things you can definitely expect from Dean Pease. Um, he's very multiple with what he does, and particularly against young quarterbacks. Mm. And he's a, he's a believer that how much he can do often is a function of what the offense does in terms of formations, shifts, motions. So we'll see how much the Eagles do of that. Um, because the one thing, even though he does a lot of things, he does not want to overload his defense based on the multiplicity of offensive formations. But he's a believer in pressure. He's a believer in disguise. He's a believer in late movement. He wants the offense to believe that on any given down, particularly when they're in sub-defense, meaning five DBs or six DBs, that any number of the 11 players on defense could be part of a blitz, a blitz scheme. He wants the offense to believe that. 
Uh, so it, he's a difficult defensive coordinator to prepare for, uh, which, again, I don't know how, how Nick Sirianni will see that and the staff. Um, obviously, it's a relatively young offensive staff with the Eagles, um, with Shane Steichen and with Brian Johnson, the, the quarterback coach. So this is going to be a fascinating chess match with one of the best and most experienced defensive coordinators in the league versus a young group and, and a young quarterback only making his fifth NFL start. And that's the thing, right, is that you look at – you talked about how multiple they can be. Lots of crowded boxes, lots of looks from exotic different personnel groupings in front. And, you know, it was funny just going back and just reading some of the quotes from his opening press conferences and, and some of the stuff that he said over the course of the spring. And there was a lot of talk down in Atlanta. Are, are they going to be 3-4? Are they going to be 4-3? And he was like, yes. Uh, and when he said, what do you expect from ter- in terms of pressure? Every single position on that defense will be involved. In, so – Linebackers, safeties, corners, slots, everybody's got has the potential to be a blitzer on any given play. Well, I was very fortunate last summer, the COVID summer, to um to to talk to Dean Pease on the phone for probably well over an hour. And he really explained a lot of his philosophy to me. And and th- that's a, a critical point is that the, particularly on third down, and he plays dime normally on third down, is to show the offense that all eleven defenders could rush. And all 11 defenders could play coverage. And so it's disguise, it's late movement. It, 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 it really asks a lot of the offense to know who's coming, who's not coming. How do you identify potential rushers and blitzers? Obviously, uh, we know that that's critical for an offense. Now, one thing the Eagles do have going for them is they do have a, a good offensive line, but there is still some inexperience there. You know, certainly Jordan Mailata, who improved as the year went on last year, um, in his first time really playing, still a young player, still is going to see some things that might cause a little bit of hesitation. Um, and, and there's no question that Dean Pease will try to play off that and, and cause some confusion in protection concepts. Yeah, I think that, you know, when you look at, um, you know, just the the versatility that they have defensively, look, the, when you go through their depth chart, right, there aren't a lot of names that make you go, oh, man, like, oh, you know, they're going to keep you up at night, uh, you know, when you're getting ready for this matchup. That said, when you factor in, the scheme, and then you look at the skill sets of some of these players. Now, one of those blue-chip players they have on that side, Deion Jones, linebacker, former second-round pick out of LSU. He's been one of the best linebackers in the, in the game over the last few years. They also have a guy that's on the rise, and that's uh, Foye Olukun, who yeah. is a, a former day-three pick out of Yale. Uh, he was kind of – I don't know if you studied him when he was coming out, Craig. I, I watched him. He was an outstanding athlete. He was kind of like a one of those overhang defenders as a linebacker-safety hybrid, and he's kind of come <clears throat> along each of the last few years – with him now as an entrenched starter, they have a ton of speed at linebacker. Yeah. And so to me, like that's one aspect coming in. It's like, all right, those two guys, you're going to ha- have to have them earmarked as potential rushers on any kind of passing down. Yeah, and they'll have to scheme pressure because as you look at their roster right now, they don't necessarily have a great pass rusher, uh, you know, particularly off the edge. I mean, I think Grady Jarrett's one of the best three techniques in the game, and certainly he can rush the quarterback from the inside, but they do not have what you'd call a dynamic edge player that you have to specifically account for. And I think that helps the Eagles quite a bit, but they know they'll get a scheme. Now, you know, one thing about when the Eagles look at what Dean Pease does over the years, they'll understand that so much of what he does is based on the back, particularly when you, you know, you're in third down. You know, does the back free release? Does he check for pressure and then release? Is he part of a six-man protection concept? The back, very often, when I've talked to defensive coaches, one of the first things they say to me when we're just talking ball is, well, where's the back? Yep. And the Eagles are in a situation where they can do a lot of things with their backs 
they, they can obviously have them offset. They cannot. They can split and detach them. They can do a lot of things with their backs because they're good receivers. Now, I'm so glad you brought that up because that was one aspect that I, I wanted to kind of get into here is that, you know, when a defensive coordinator is, go, is going through and they're building their game plan, you know, we, you talk about a blitz-heavy scheme, you know, like, like one with DMPs. They don't just go into the week saying, all right, here are the five blitzes I want to run this week. Here are the seven blitzes I want to run. There is a, a very specific idea of the kind of blitzes they want to run and whether they want to target a specific side of the offensive line, a specific lineman, a yep. back, uh, or obviously the quarterback. And to me, one of the things that I did this summer was, all right, preparing for this game, preparing for Eagles game plan for this discussion we're having here on the show. I went back and watched Dean Pease in Tennessee and the games that they played against some of the young athletic quarterbacks that they had on their schedule. It just so happened back in 2019, they played Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I think they played him twice that year. They played, oh no, they played Lamar Jackson uh, twice that year, including one in the playoffs, uh, Josh Allen. So you had a handful of really young athletic quarterbacks, guys that were inex inexperienced, but that could win with their legs. And obviously that applies to this matchup here against Jalen Hurts. And one of the things that I thought stood out was it seemed like a lot of their pressures we're more focused off the edge, trying to vice him, keep him inside the pocket. I wondered, uh, number one, how do you view that discussion as a whole in terms of court, uh, defensive coordinators kind of catering their pressures towards the matchup? And, and then uh, number two, how do you feel Dean Pease will approach this one when it comes to Jalen Hurts and uh, whether it's going to be a lot of edge pressure or whether there'll be stuff right up in his face? It's a great question, and I think it's a function of film study with how does the quarterback leave the pocket when he mm. leaves the pocket. Yep. Some quarterbacks immediately move laterally. Some pack quarterbacks look to move forward. Um, so with Jalen Hurts, and, and maybe you could help answer this as well, um, I think overall, to me, and I could be dead wrong, but my sense is, you know, there's not there's not been a, a large sample size. I think he looks to move forward. Mm. I think he he looks to run. And so it wouldn't surprise me, number one, if he uses a spy, and number two, if he tries to force Hertz to move laterally. Interesting. Because I think Hertz tries to move forward to run. And I think if you think back to some of his really good runs last year, they were they were vertical runs. They were not horizontal runs. Yep. If memory serves me correctly, is that, don't, don't you see it that way? I think that's fair. And it's funny, just this morning, I was watching just his last two games. So the, the last two games down the stretch and some of his best plays, not just as as a runner, but also stepping up and throwing. Uh, there was that 30-yard strike he delivered to J.J. Ortega-Whiteside down the seam uh, late in the first the half against Washington, uh, where you know he had edge pressure and he stepped up and, and delivered that one. And so to me, like uh, when you talk about him just physically, he's kind of a, a thickly built, powerful athlete get him downhill. So That's in, right. with that in mind, I guess you, you would imagine more A-gap and B-gap pressures uh, in this game, potentially. I, and I think you might see, you know, Jones or Aluakone spy on him at times. Yeah. You know, again, that, that's a situational thing, but I think that they would do that to, to – get him to think that hey i can't just run vertically i think that's a, a big storyline to watch certainly uh coming into the, into this one you, you talked about obviously uh grady jarrett that was one thing watching the, those tennessee teams just understanding dean pease uh, over the course of his career watching tennessee jarrell casey on those long stunts i'm like all right well Grady pencil jake grady yeah. jarrett in uh for a lot of those as well so uh look they're they're gonna come at the eagles in a lot of different ways so it'll be a big assignment game for the offensive line and for the quarterback, understanding who's coming, who's not, uh, making sure you're on your P's and Q's when it comes to the post-snap movement phase uh, of these pass protections. So uh, that will be a big part of this game. And then I guess going into the secondary, Greg, uh, one guy I wanted to ask you about. He's going now into his second year. He was their first-round pick a year ago out of Clemson, and that's A.J. Terrell, uh, the talented corner, again, a former first-round pick. 
kind of get your thoughts. Where, where did, what did you see from him? I know you obviously didn't watch uh, that every game of that Atlanta defense, but uh, as we sit here today, early September 2021, what are your thoughts on A.J. Terrell and where his stock is at this point in his early career? I think he he had a pretty solid rookie season. I mean, obviously it was a bad defense overall, but I think when you look at his traits, his skill set, what he brings to the table, he's got good size, he moves well. I think they, that he's going to be a really solid NFL corner. Um, I think the secondary as a whole yeah. um, is, I don't want to say it's a concern, we don't know that, but obviously they're mixing and matching a lot of pieces that have come from other teams. They have Eric Harris, who was with the Las Vegas Raiders, who's been in the league a while. You can play with Eric Harris. They have Deron Harmon, who started his career in New England, he originally out of Rutgers. He's been with uh, New England, Detroit. You know, another guy you can definitely line up, and he can he can play. Then uh, it looks like what Fabian Moreau will be the other starter on the outside with Isaiah Oliver likely playing in the slot. Yep. I think that's probably what they're going to do at this point. Again, if preseason is any indication. Um so, you know, I think there's pieces here that have traits and that have talent, but I think at this point we would say we just don't know. Yeah, and I guess the, the big thing when you're looking at that secondary, they are going to have to rely, it seems, they, we'll see how they execute the scheme, but it seems like they're going to have to rely on a lot of that pre-snap disguise uh, that you talked about. Yeah. It was a lot of late movement to get to your basic cover two, to get to your basic cover three. Uh, they're, they're not a, a staple single high or, or two high look team, but they mix things up and try and make it difficult for the quarterback pro post snap. Yeah. And I think that's going to be their approach because, yeah. you know, if you just look up and down their roster on defense with few exceptions, you're going to say that it's not a top flight roster at this point, unless players develop or they get really good years from veterans. Uh, so my guess is Dean Pease, and he's been doing this a long time. He probably feels somewhat similarly. He probably feels, Hey, until we get into a real game, I'm not exactly sure what this group's going to do for me. Yeah, no question. I think when you look at uh, you know the way that he's been able to coach up these defenses over the course of his career, out of the last 12 years that he's been a defensive coordinator, eight out of those 12, he had a top 10 scoring defense. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's been a very, very effective defensive coordinator for a long time here in the NFL. Uh, let's switch sides of the ball here. Let's go to this Eagles defense. And again, uh, vanilla does not is not enough to say how <laughs> vanilla the, the defensive scheme was over the course of the summer in the preseason in those three preseason games. But again, by design. So uh, for you, with that, with what we've seen, you were at practice a handful of days uh, during the summer. What are, what are you expecting from this Eagles defense? Uh, how excited are you for this group? Well, I'm pretty excited. I love watching the defensive coaching staff. I love the enthusiasm. I love the coaching. Um, I'm a believer in that. But obviously, the games told us absolutely nothing. They are not going to play like that in the right. regular season because no one would play like that right. in the regular season. It was about as as soft as you could be. It was soft zone shells. It was four-man pressures. They obviously didn't even play their starting D-line hardly at all. Um, you know, I don't think any of those starters played, you know, 15 snaps. Maybe one guy did. I don't know. You would know better. But, but I think the strength of this defense is the D-line, and I think it could be really, really good. I, I'm really looking forward to Javon Hargrave. I think he's going to have a really good season. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that when you look at that defensive front, I mean, whether Hargrave, Cox, Brandon Graham, Josh Sweat, Derek Barnett, you just keep going down the list. Uh, these guys have all had really strong summers, and I'm excited to see what they look like here uh, You know, in, in live action because we really haven't seen much of them uh, in those preseason games. So getting a chance, the, the closest we got to it for me was these joint practices and watching them against New England for two days, watching them against the Jets for two days, 
they were the best position group on the field on either side of the football with either squad. So uh, to me, like looking at this Eagles defensive front, that's going to be one of the strengths of this football team. And I'm excited to see what they look like here uh, against this Atlanta offense. And then I, I guess, Greg, just real quickly going back uh, into that back seven. Um, look, Alex Singleton is a guy that I think it could be a dark horse to lead the NFL in tackles if he's healthy for all 17 games. Well, uh, the guy has been flying around. You know, I, here's my view on Singleton. You know, because of his pedigree, I think people start with the fact that he's probably not very good. I think that's the starting point. So so when you turn on the tape, I'm talking about people who do this for a living. Right. Sometimes you can think, oh, you know, his background, you know, he came from a smaller school, not a big time college player, uh, did not play in the NFL, went up to Canada. But when I watched his tape last year for how many, however number of games he started, he literally played for every snap in those games. I mean, he did not come off the field, as you know. I thought Alex Singleton played extremely well a year ago. You know, we're going to sit here and tell you he was one of the two or three best linebackers in the league. Man, that's probably not a fair statement to make, but I thought he played well. And you're 100% right. Say what you want about this guy. He played strong side linebacker a year ago. You would mention to me, it looks like he'll be the weak uh, or, or this Mike this year. Where, yeah, where is they, he? honestly, they were bouncing everybody around. So, uh, you know, kind of getting trying to get a sense of, all right, is Eric Wilson going to have the green dot and be the Mike? Right. going to be Singleton? Uh, that's, that's tough to say. My guess is that it would be Wilson inside, Singleton outside. That would be my but guess. My point is that I think Singleton is a good football player. Yeah, sure. And you're right. He makes a ton of tackles. He's always around the ball. He's he's a plus athlete, not a special athlete, but a plus athlete. Yep. Uh, I, I think that you, you go even further back now into the secondary. Uh, again, we're going, we're trying to project here, but I would ex- expect a lot of zone coverage, right? A little bit more disguised than what we're used to seeing here uh, in Philadelphia over the last few years. Uh, any overall changes from that standpoint or just kind of looking at this secondary as a whole? Uh, what's, what's your overall thought process when it comes to this group going into well, the season? I think, you know, from what we've been told, based on on, uh, Jonathan Gannon's background, we expect to see uh, somewhat of the Minnesota Vikings-style defense, which is a good amount of of zone. It's it's a good amount of what we call quarters coverage for a cross. Um, But again, we we need to know everybody in this league has to match up and play man coverage at times. I thought the signing of Steven Nelson was a really good move. Um, he's certainly not a speedster, but he's feisty, competitive, aggressive. Um, I've always liked him. I liked him since he came out of Oregon State, and I saw him eat up Jalen Strong from Arizona State. You might remember that that sure. tape friend watching back. That, that that really made me sit up and take notice because Nelson fights you. He is he's tough and competitive, and he's kind of a tempo setter on your back end. So, uh, you know, I think we'll see a good mix. Um, and I think, you know, Anthony Harris obviously understands this scheme because he's played in it. And uh, while he didn't have the same year he had a couple of years ago, he knows how to play in this in this particular scheme. And I think that it's I think the secondary could be a little better than people give them credit for. So we'll see how that plays out. All right, so let's get into this Atlanta offense because obviously, like I said, uh, new system over there. Arthur Smith, now the head coach, uh, you know, Dave Ragone, the offensive coordinator, both coming from the Tennessee Titans. So uh, I guess let me ask you this. Uh, I asked you to do it for Dean Pease. Uh, give us the elevator speech on Arthur Smith and what you expect here from this offense in Atlanta. Well, generally speaking, he comes from the Kyle Shanahan school. So there's a lot of play action. It's a foundation of what they do. There's a lot of base personnel, meaning 12 personnel, two tight ends, and at times three tight ends. Don't forget they signed Lee Smith, who's basically a tight end, but he's a big offensive tackle. So they didn't sign him just to have him take up a roster spot because they obviously have Hayden Hurst, 
who's pretty good player, and they drafted Kyle Pitts. Um, so they've got three tight ends. So you're going to see three tight ends. Tennessee played with three tight ends at times. Um, you're going to see 21 personnel, meaning a fullback, because they've got a fullback on their roster, Keith Smith. And obviously we know Tennessee played with a fullback a good 15% or so of their snaps with Kari game a year ago. So you're going to see base personnel out of Arthur Smith. And just like Kyle Shanahan, what they're very, very good at is the play-action pass game, where they marry the run game look and, and the play-action pass look. And the other thing you'll see is you'll see what I call bang play action, mm. where it's that quick play action with a three-step drop or a quick five, and the ball gets thrown right behind the linebackers. Um, and, and normally what happens is those wide receivers then have room to run. Think for people who watch the NFL, think of A.J. Brown with the Titans a year ago catching a lot of those inbreakers. And they have Calvin Ridley, who is not A.J. Brown in terms of build, but I, you could make an argument that Calvin Ridley is the best pure route runner in the NFL. Yeah, I think you could easily make that argument. He's certainly in that discussion. And I think when you look at Ridley, uh, he can create separation on his own. But then the fact that you have this scheme that can also create some space for him to work, I think that allows for some of the yards after catch that we didn't necessarily always get a chance to see in the previous iteration of these Atlanta offenses. I think that really bodes well for what he could look like here in 2021 and beyond. Uh, really one of the more well-rounded well receivers uh, in the game. And as you mentioned, look, you go through the rest of the receiving core, are there names that are going to you know, uh, gonna keep you up at night? Probably not. But I think when you're talking about this offense, they're going to generate some space for some of these players, and they're going to play in so much base personnel anyway with these multiple backs and multiple tight ends. Uh, I don't know that the depth at receiver is going to necessarily be at the forefront of their concerns no. going into the season. And one other point that's absolutely essential to make, by the way, is you're going to see a lot of reduced splits. Yeah. And what reduced splits tend to do, not 100% of the time, but a higher tendency of the time, is they give wide receivers free release. Plus, you'll see motion to get free release. Because if you, Calvin Ridley, if you let him scream off the ball with his route running, because he can change direction. He can, he can transition in and out of breaks as well or better than any receiver in the league. And Russell Gage is a player they really like, by the way. He pr primarily lined up in the slot a year ago. But if you do a reduced split, even if he's technically number one, he's still reduced. He's inside. And they very much like the, the receiver they call OZ. I'll let you pronounce the, the name. Alameda um, Zacchaeus. He's a Philly kid. That he is a Philly kid, and uh, and they like him a lot as as a guy who's even though he's not a pure burner, he has vertical ability. You'll see him used in specific packages. He had a big game last year when I believe Julio Jones was out injured. I believe it was against Denver, where he had over a hundred yards receiving and caught some deep balls. So, you know, I think they probably like their receivers better than maybe a lot of people do. I guess we'll find that out. But we we do know that Calvin Ridley is he's about as smooth as there is. Yeah, he is a, a certainly a known quantity when you look to, at that group of pass catchers. And another guy that has not taken a, a real NFL snap yet, but a lot of people view as a known quantity, is Kyle Pitts. And I, I was thinking about this recently, Greg. We, you know, we talked all offseason, and everybody talked all offseason about how it doesn't matter what you put next to Kyle Pitts, your receiver, or tight end. You know, we talked about the versatility, and, and that is what well and good. But I look at him within the structure of this offense – with Arthur Smith, the amount of base personnel, the 12 personnel, the 13 personnel that we're going to see from this group, I almost feel like when you have the, a guy with his skill set 
it is even more put under the microscope. It is even more important and more lethal for that offense to have this guy than if he just went to a regular run-of-the-mill 11 personnel only offense. I feel like he's even more effective uh, in these groups where you're going to have him on the field with Lee Smith and with Hayden Hurst. Do you feel like that's true in terms of his effectiveness in this scheme? Well, to me, Kyle Pitts, there's there's no need to put any initials, uh, you know, any letters either before or after his name, wide receiver, tight end. He, he's he's just a receiver. Yep. And I think you'll see him line up all over. And, you know, keep one thing in mind is it, it, Matt Ryan doesn't need a ton of help. Matt Ryan's played in this league a long time and he recognizes defenses. He knows what he's looking at. But when you have a tight end um, or when you're in base personnel and your tight ends can split out, which, by the way, Hayden Hurst can do that, too. He's pretty yeah. athletic, Hayden Hurst. So, you know, assuming the Eagles stay in base, which we'll find out whether they do or not, I, you know, that's we won't know that till the game is played. Right. But if they stay in base, then you're giving Matt Ryan a lot of pre-snap information and you're potentially setting up some mismatches or you know you get the Eagles in zone. And, and then you feel very comfortable as a quarterback, a veteran quarterback like Matt Ryan, in attacking what you see. So I'm, I, Kyle Pitts is probably the player, believe it or not, I'm most excited to see uh, of, of all the draft, drafted players because I thought he was the, the best prospect in this draft class. Let me ask you a question, because we know that this offense last year, uh, over the last few years, with Arthur Smith as the offensive coordinator, was predicated on the run game. Yeah, I, You look at uh, the personnel yeah. right now, Mike Davis is the lead back as, as we sit here today. The I guess the question is, you know, can he be that kind of guy for Arthur Smith in this offense? I mean, he had a career high in 165 runs last year. Derrick Henry's had 300-plus each of the last two years. He almost had 400 last year for Arthur Smith. Now, not anybody can just take on that workload, but I guess that's the if you are projecting Mike Davis to have 225, 230, 250 carries in that offense, do they feel like they can sustain that over the course of a 17-game schedule? And if not, who else in that backfield can kind of take up that load? Um, I think you're going to see uh, Cordero Patterson have an interesting role here because you may remember – and and maybe you looked at this in studying Arthur Smith. I don't know what you did leading up to this game, but you may remember that Johnu Smith lined up in the backfield. You know, at times when he was in Tennessee with Arthur yeah. Smith. In fact, he he had a a pitch for about fifty yards. He looked like a running back. Right. I think you're going to see Cordero Patterson. It wouldn't surprise me if Patterson. Again, I'm not a, a fantasy guy. I'm not going to sit here and start talking about volume share. And but Patterson is is going to be used in the backfield. Sure. And and he's also a receiver, which gives you even more versatility. You put Patterson out there, it gives you more formation versatility. So you know, I think you're going to see. Um, a little more. And, and didn't they just sign Wayne Gallman? They did. They just picked him up off the waiver wire. That's right. uh, Wayne Gallman, San Francisco. Yep. You know this. Wayne Gallman was with the Giants a year ago. You can line up and give Wayne Gallman 120 carries without a problem. Right. So, I, I mean, it, they don't have the one guy. I mean, obviously, there's only one Derrick Henry in this league. Of course. Um, they don't have the one guy that's going to get 270 carries, but they're going to run the ball. What are Mike Davis's best traits in your mind? What can, what can Eagles fans expect to see from Mike Davis in this game? I would say he's highly competitive. I would say he's got really good quickness and lateral agility in in, in confined space. There's not a lot of reacceleration or traffic burst to his game, so he's not a big playback. Um, but I think that he's a grinder, and I think ultimately he's a 
in an ideal world, he's a stay ahead of the chains back, but he's not going to give you big plays. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I think that's probably fair. Uh, you know, his ability to create uh, is not paired with explosiveness. His ability to no. create is like, hey, I'm going to create some extra yardage for myself, but it's not going to be in the big play format. I'm still going to be, I'll be more of a move the chains style yeah. of back. I heard a great, I used the term a moment ago, and I heard a great term this summer from someone else, which I really like, traffic burst. He doesn't burst mm. out of traffic. I like you know, that. he's not one of those reacceleration guys. Yeah, uh, one I guess another big part of this is for them. It's gonna be this offensive line, and they've put a lot of resources into it. Uh, they've got three first round picks that, that are penciled in uh, to be starters right now. Obviously, you have Jake Matthews at left tackle. He's been uh, you know a mainstay there since he was a first round pick a handful of years ago. But uh, they uh, just a couple seasons ago they took Chris Lindstrom out of Boston College in the yep. top fifteen in the same draft. They took Caleb McGarry at thirty second overall, traded up uh, to take him. He has not quite worked out at right tackle. Lindstrom I know has been banged up at times. Uh, your overall thoughts on this offensive line coming into the yeah, season? Yeah, I, I think it's. A little bit of a question. I mean, they really uh, Matthews is Matthews. Yeah, they, they really like Lindstrom. That McGarry is. They're a little down on him. They're not sure what he is. Uh, but from what I've been told, Jalen Mayfield did not have their rookie uh, third round pick out of Michigan. Did not have a great training camp. You know, they were maybe hoping he could step in at right tackle. I don't know if that's going to happen. Right. Um, then you got the Temple kid, Hennessy at center right now. They drafted Drew Dahlman, a player I really liked on tape as a fourth-round pick. But I think parts of this offensive line, I'd say three-fifths of it, are probably a little bit of a work in progress. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see because Josh Andrews, the former Eagle, was penciled in to be the starter at left guard. I mean, that, that was the plan. Yeah. He just got hurt recently uh, towards the end of camp. And so uh, they just had to put him on injured reserve. He'll be back here uh, in a few games. But who is going to get that start at left guard? I think it's going to be interesting. And I think it probably will end up being one of those two rookies, Greg. It sounds like it's going to be either Jalen Mayfield or Drew Dahlman, who slides over uh, to play in that left guard spot. And they'll have a big test, obviously, going up against the likes of Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave. Oh, yeah. I mean, this look, that's the one big, thing that's a big that's a pivotal matchup in this game for sure. The one thing you can say about the Eagles, and you know, there are questions, and I know a lot of fans. I mean, you probably hear fans talk. I hear fans talk. Some people think they're going to go four and 13. You know, you know how that goes. Right. Um, uh, but the fact is, is two major strengths of their team are their O line and their D line. And that's a pretty good place to start. And we're not saying that means that they're going 15 and two. That's not the point. But I think pretty much any coach would say, hey, if you can give me a really solid O-line and a really good D-line, then that, that that's a pretty good starting point for our team. I mean, I can tell you, we're going to be having these discussions on a weekly basis here on the show, obviously. And before every single matchup, we're going to be talking about the Eagles offensive line against the opposing defensive line, the Eagles defensive line against the opposing offensive line. And is that a matchup where you feel good about the Eagles going into the game? And if you feel good in those two areas... That's a, a good starting point uh, to work off of in terms of trying to project a victory. Uh, so I, I yeah. think that will be big for this Eagles team for sure. You know, and the one thing advantage in this game too is I love Matt Ryan as a player, always have, but he's essentially a pocket player. So you know where he's going to be. Um, you know, so that obviously helps them in, in pass rush situations. The You know, you can say this about any game, so what I'm about to say is not profound by any stretch of the imagination, but if you can get this team in third and long because Matt Ryan is not a creator, then I'm very curious to see what Jonathan Gannon and staff do because obviously in the preseason we saw nothing, so we have no idea what they're going to do on third and long. Yeah, because I mean, again, I'm preaching to the choir here, but if you're able to, to stop the run and get into those third and long situations – 
Now you're taking that the maybe the best part schematically of this passing game, the play action game. You're taking that out. You're throwing because they're not. You're not going play action on third and eight. You're not going play action on third and nine. So uh, if you can remove that from the equation, yeah. it's all right. We're going to force you uh, to go straight drop back with the receivers that you have. That certainly plays into the Eagles' favor, and again, can kind of change the flow of the game. No, you're exactly right. So this is a fascinating opener for the Eagles for a lot of the reasons we mentioned. Um, you know, one of the main ones being Dean Pease being such a master yep. on defense facing a, a quarterback in his fifth start. So uh, that, that's going to be a real fascinating element in this game. It's going to be a fun one to watch. You and I will be, both be watching on Sunday, and we'll be back here uh, next Monday night to break it all down. Greg, uh, the 2021 season is here. Excited to break it down with you next week right here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade. Great to get started again, Fran. Thanks. Well, great stuff from Greg, who you can follow on Twitter, just like I do, at Greg Cosell. And while you're at it, I'm at Eagles XOs. That's where I post all the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's Nose content that we produce here with Eagles Entertainment. You know how much I appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on social media. That is one way to support the show. But the best way, like I said at the top, Go on to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, wherever you listen. Leave us a rating. Leave us a comment. Thanks to everybody that has done that over the course of training camp. But look, it's time now for the regular season. I'm excited for things to get underway here this weekend. We'll be back later this week. Ben Fennell and another special guest will be here on this show. Excited to share that uh, as we get a little bit closer uh, to Sunday's game. But make sure you're subscribed right here to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. That being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I'm Fran Duffy. We will talk to you later this week.